From the Whiskey Tangent Studios in Marlton, New Jersey, this is Whiskey Tangent News. Hey everybody, this is Ed from the Whiskey Tangent Podcast here with another edition of Whiskey News. And joining me as always is Scott. Hey everybody. And let me tell you what we're going to do today. And then Scott's going to tell you everything that is fit to drink, which he's about to do. (laughs) Right. So we have eight news stories for you today. Three are going to be in what we call industry news. Three are sports and entertainment. And then we always try to throw in a couple of true crime. True crime. After that, we'll feature 16 of the new whiskeys that are out this month that you can buy. And then we'll talk about what's coming up for the podcast in December. And so at this point of the news broadcast, I'll turn over to my partner in crime, Scott. (laughs) So yeah, it is November 2023. And here's all the news that's fit to drink. In industry news, the first story we have is from PR Newswire. Michter's named world's most admired whiskey. For the first time ever, an American distillery has taken home the highest honor in whiskey. Louisville, Kentucky-based bourbon and rye producer Michter's has eclipsed some of the biggest whiskey brands in the world to rank first overall in the newly released 2023 World 50 Most Admired Whiskeys list published by Drinks International, beating out perennial favorites Yamazaki and Ardbeg, which finished second and third, respectively. Who came in first? Michter's. Michner's did? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mixters, I think it is. Yeah, if you want to know that joke, go back to episode one. Yeah, exactly. Determined by an academy of independent global buyers, journalists, bartenders, and whiskey experts from more than 20 countries, this stunning result represents the pinnacle of achievement in the global whiskey trade and certifies that American whiskey is finally being recognized for its excellence by connoisseurs around the world. In its significance and perhaps even its shock value, mm-hmm. this announcement harkens back to the infamous Judgment of Paris, which we talked about in part two of our Whiskey Menary on Tasting Competition back in January, when, in 1976, a California Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon prevailed over wines from the French regions of Burgundy and Bordeaux in a blind-tasting event that demolished critical expectations and sent the international image of American wine soaring. According to Shea Waterworth, editor of Drinks International, Michter's is officially the trade's favorite whiskey. Not only does the brand have a fascinating backstory, which is true, go back to episode 42 for that incredible tale. That's the best part of Michter's, in my opinion. Yeah, it's also making some of the best whiskeys in the world right now and clearly our global academy agrees every trade show i attend i see a crowd of bartenders importers and buyers surrounding the michter's stand which further justifies its place at the top of our rankings my congratulations go to the whole michter's team for this great success i mean good for them but i don't get it i know they have some upper level stuff that you can't really get they do the regular stuff is just okay to me i mean it's fine yeah nothing bad about it but certainly nothing where you go holy cow yeah right yeah, we we liked it. Fine. Yeah, I liked it. I like it. You know that four pack they have on the shelves. Yeah. you know, like the rye, the bourbon, mm-hmm. the, the American, American whiskey. whiskey. Yeah, right. yeah. And we said that they're all kind of lower proof, upper eighties, right. which is not normally a popular proof setting, if you will. Yeah, for serious whiskey drinkers. I mean. If this brings more attention to American whiskeys in the global whiskey community, I guess that's a good thing. Well, it's good for them, not for us, because every bottle they send out is another bottle well, we can't true. get here. So, that's true, too. So I know that's being <laughs> selfish, and we don't want to cut the world off from American whiskey. That's a dumb thing to do. But yeah. send the Michters in. I mean, I can live without Michters. Well, yeah, there you go. I can Win-win. live with, too. You know, I'm not trashing it. No. For the price point, it's one of the best-priced whiskeys you can get in the industry. Yeah, but it is curious that it was Victor's that topped this list. Yeah, not Woodford or Willett or right. Beam, some Tory, right. you know, Sazerac or Buffalo Trace. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, we're only two guys in the whiskey world. I mean, Victor's is fine. Yeah. 
I'm just surprised it's the top whiskey brand yeah. in America, yeah. according to who the oh, all the experts. Yeah. yeah, the Drinks International magazine. Okay, so the second story we have is from Forbes. India's whiskey scene is having a moment. According to UK-based Scotch Whiskey Association, India is now the world's biggest Scotch whiskey-consuming country by volume, dethroning France, and is fifth on the list of the world's largest buyers of Scotch whiskey in terms of value, having increased more than 200% in the past decade. Mm-hmm. Indeed, according to the International Wine and Spirit Research Association, whiskey accounts for nearly two-thirds of spirit sales in India, amounting to just over two million cases. In addition, when it comes to the country's own whiskey, brands such as Amrit, Indri, and Paul John, which we actually just got to taste a couple nights ago, are placing India among the top players around the world. Their single malt story, which started with a single brand, is now evolving into an Indian single malt category that's leading the way to the world's whiskey consumers ahead of other regions like Australia, France, Italy, and the United States. Said Thrivikram Nigam, executive director of Amrit Distilleries, in the 1990s, restaurants and bars around the world did not see India-made whiskeys to be of great significance. It was then that Amrit Distilleries decided to launch its premium Indian whiskey and made a mark in the premium segment globally. Today, Amrit sells close to 120,000 cases of nearly 40 single malt expressions in more than 22 states in India and in 57 countries. Right. It's funny. We did try an Indian whiskey like two days ago yeah. that we had never had before the Paul John. They're run by Sazerac. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's vampires well, again. Just for the basic numbers, Scott. Somewhere between May and June, India became the most populous country in the world. Yeah, they surpassed China. They it's actually crazy. surpassed China. They have over 1.46 billion, and China's like 1.43 billion. Yeah, yeah but, they just passed. Yeah. But, so by it, law of averages, they should have the most scotch drinkers. It's literally the world's largest market. Right. I really think it took the advent of American single malts for me to appreciate how unique scotch is, Japanese whiskey is, and Indian whiskey is, because they're all basically the same thing. Right. But they all taste distinctly different and regionally identifiable. It's easy to tell a Japanese whiskey. It's easy to tell a peated scotch, and it's getting easier, I think, to tell an Indian whiskey. Mm. We could have tasted a scotch next to the Indian whiskey. I think we would have been able to tell the difference. Yeah, India has a warmer climate, right? Yeah. Uh, at least in most of the country. The north is, is kind of cold because there's mountains. So it must age faster than it does in faster. Scotland. Faster. <laughs> Aging your whiskey faster and all. Faster. Faster. All right. Uh, The last story in industry news isn't quite news, but Ed, you sent this to me and I thought that it was timely and interesting. Yes. It's an opinion piece from Bourbon Culture titled, Here's Why You Shouldn't Pay Secondary Prices for Midwinter Night's Dram. No offense to High West, but offense to High West. Yeah. Recently, High West Most Sought After Bottle went on sale, Midwinter Night's Dram Act 11. And our advice to you is this ignore it. The reason? Well, ever since its first release in 2013, High West has been increasing the total batch size of their port-finished rye whiskey. Then in 2015, they began releasing three scenes, aka batches, annually. In 2018, they increased to six scenes annually, and this year there will be 12, comprising 189,000 bottles, a 64% increase over last year. So we should all have a much easier time finding some, right? And it should be cheaper. Yeah. Well, fun fact, no. The problem is that Midwinters has historically fallen under the realm of allocated brands, meaning that not only is there a limited amount made each year, but demand exceeds supply. A few examples of other allocated brands include recent releases of Old Forester Birthday Bourbon at 14,000 bottles. 14,000 bottles. Four Roses Limited Edition Small Batch at 15,000 bottles. 15,000. I'm going to do each one. (laughs) 
<laughs> George Stagg at 45,000 bottles. Only 45,000 George Staggs in the whole country for one year. And all six Pappy Van Winkles at a combined 84,000 bottles. Still 105,000 less than the Midwinter Night's Dram. Right. So given the context of all the bottles that we just told you about, right. you could argue that Midwinter's no longer meets the definition of allocated. But why then is it still so hard to find? Could it be because distributors and retailers are holding back some to create artificial scarcity? Well, if we look back to previous years, there's been a gradual increase in retail prices from roughly $90 back in 2018 to about $130 these days. Secondary market prices in 2018 were about that $130. And when Act 10 came out last year, the secondary was asking over $250, which is absolutely ridiculous. And this year, you can guarantee that people will be asking for the same or higher prices for Act 11. Consider also that High West just ain't what it used to be. In 2018, they officially ran out of their vaunted stash of 16-year-old rye whiskey sourced from Barton's, which was a special spirit that hasn't been made since. Thereafter, they began to use their own four to seven-year-old rye whiskey, which was radically different and reduced the quality to the point where savvy enthusiasts just stopped buying it. Yeah. It tasted younger, grassier, and sweeter. Why sweeter? Well, because it's widely suspected that High West dumps more port wine into the finishing barrels in an attempt to mask the youthful notes of the whiskey. So, Which you're allowed to do with a rye whiskey. That's true. Basil Hayden Dark Rye mm. does have a dash of port in the barrels. Right. They're allowed to. It's a rye. Yeah. Can't do it to a bourbon. You can't do it. No. Somebody has a kiss of molasses in one of the ryes, too. Right. In fact, oh, it was basil hayden when they used to have the rum cast finish yeah the caribbean one yeah it had a little it had a little bit of rum in it. molasses rum in it yes yeah go back to season one and listen to that so it's not that that's what they're doing that's bad it's that it's now different right so all of this boils down to the fact that not only is midwinter night's dram inferior to their past iterations inferior but there's also more of it than ever before. So there should be no need for rising secondary prices. And we encourage you to point this out to any bottle flippers trying to charge outrageously. They probably won't care, of course, but if you really want a dram, wait them out. If they can't find quick buyers, they'll begin to sweat and their pricing will drop. Or better yet, skip Act 11 entirely and go find a better finished rye whiskey from a producer who hasn't priced their mediocre bottles into irrelevancy. Shade. Yeah. Honestly, and this is what's embarrassing. Scott and I do a pretty good job paying attention, and I still have a bottle of Midwinter Night's Dram from probably eight months ago. Yeah. Because someone said, you want one? I said, oh my God, you can get me one? Yeah, sure. And mm. I, I was all of a sudden like a 10-year-old on Christmas wanting a BB gun I know. that I'll shoot my eye out with. Yeah. But it has, according to critics, decreased in quality over those years, especially these guys. But to be fair to High West, I just saw, just waiting for you to come over, Fred Minnick's review yeah. on YouTube of yeah. the Act 11. Mm-hmm. He loved it. He loved it. He talked a little bit about the history of it, but he didn't go into what detail that bourbon culture did and talk about the allocation and that it's different and that there's more bottles now. He didn't talk anything about that. Maybe he wasn't aware of it. I mean, Fred can't know everything. No, that's true. And he also talked about, he got 20 emails today about from PR people saying there's 20 different whiskey brands coming out soon. There's so much whiskey now, it is impossible to keep up. But he did like it. So in fairness, I had to say that. And now we're going to make cocktails uh, tonight later with a Sazerac rye and about $28. Now, I'm not saying that the Sazerac rye is going to drink as good as the present uh, Act 11. We could spend the next half hour listing rye whiskeys between 60 and 100 that you can get that are good or as better of what the present Midwinter Night's Dram is. You could get four bottles of Sazerac and a bottle of port and pour <laughs> the port <laughs> into the Sazerac bottles and have Midwinter Night's Dram. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> or, but no, all shitting aside, though, yeah, you could get the rendezvous rye. And, oh yeah, and, and put a little port in that because that's basically it. Yeah, that that's about fifty bucks, I think. Yeah, the rendezvous, 50, sixty so, yeah. bucks. So you can and get you two can get, of those and a bottle of rye. Yeah, uh, a, a, a bottle, bottle of port. port. Yeah, yep. bottle of rye, <laughs> a bottle of port. Mix it together and you save forty bucks. Jesus. Okay, so the next category we have is sports and entertainment. Yes. From Kentucky.com, a new Kentucky bourbon gets named for the horse that launched the Beatles. Mm. Lexington developer and horse breeder Patrick Madden has teamed up with friends in both Kentucky and England to produce a unique new bourbon named after the racehorse Never Say Die, who was born at the Madden's Hamburg Place farm in Kentucky. According to legend, the horse had a rough birth, and to help him revive, a shot of whiskey was poured down his throat. Never Say Die survived, eventually grew up, and went on to win at 33 to 1 odds the 1954 Epsom Derby in Surrey, England, the first Kentucky bred horse to do so ever. At that very same race, a woman from Liverpool named Mona Best pawned her jewelry in order to place a bet on Never Say Die and used the winnings to open a music venue called the Casbah Coffee Club for up-and-coming musicians. The opening band was the Quarrymen who had hired her son Pete as their drummer and who would later rename themselves the Beatles. The new Never Say Die bourbon was distilled in 2017 under contract in Danville, Kentucky by whiskey makers Pat Heist and Shane Baker, the co-founders of Wilderness Trail. Made with a mash bill of 75% corn, 21% rye, and 4% malted barley, it was aged for five years in Kentucky before being shipped in barrels to England. After the six-week voyage, the barrels were aged another six to 18 months at the White Peak Distillery in Derbyshire, and the resulting 95-proof bourbon has now been shipped back to Kentucky for sale. In fact, the first 800 cases of Never Say Die small batch should now be available on the shelves in Lexington, Louisville, and at sealbox.com for direct shipping at a suggested retail price of $69.95. Pete Best is an interesting story. I mean, Mm. I think anyone who's followed the Beatles knows that Pete Best got replaced by Ringo early on, but people don't realize the Beatles were playing six hours a day. He was part of a lot of the formation of the style of the band. And then for whatever reason, you know, by all accounts, he just wasn't as good a drummer as Ringo. People get in and out of bands. I mean, you follow any band from the 70s and the lineup changes are amazing. Yeah. I mean, look at Deep Purple or Rainbow or any of those groups. It's very rare for a band to exist for more than 10 years and not have changed. Absolutely. But (laughs) listen, the Beatles. Okay. Yeah. So he went back to making 60 bucks a week somewhere. You know what I mean? I will tell you that there is a silver lining to the story. Okay. 20 years ago, when the anthology albums were released by the Beatles, Paul McCartney included quite a few of the tracks that Pete Best played on. Oh. And Pete Best made several million dollars off. Oh, that's very nice. And he came out and said that Paul didn't have to include those songs. And it was like a much delayed golden parachute for Pete Best. (laughs) That's great. Um, So that was a nice little thing. I mean, of course, Paul is worth over a billion dollars. Right. Right. So Pete would say, like, it's the least you could do. Yeah. A funnier story is a guy named Jimmy Nickel. He played drums for the Beatles on their Australian Asian tour for three weeks because um, I think Ringo had either like pharyngitis or tonsillitis or something like that. They knew Jimmy from back in the day in London. Mm-hmm. They flew him in. Uh, they dressed him in the suit. They gave him the Beatles haircut. He played for three weeks. He was a Beatle for three weeks. All the screaming, as he mentioned, all the backstage action after the show. Okay. He said it was cool because during the day he could walk around and sightsee and the Beatles couldn't. Right. No one knew who he was. Right. And then. Um, Best of both worlds. Then they gave him a gold watch, put him on a plane, sent him home. Wow. And he goes, it took him a couple of years to come to terms with not being a Beatle anymore. He was only a Beatle for three weeks. Yeah. Imagine Pete Best. How many times did he have the gun in his mouth, right? You know what I mean? Like, I would have. I, I would have. I know. How many times you look down off the ledge like, I could just jump. I could just jump. 
You know what I mean? So I applaud Pete Best for like going on having a productive life. Yeah. Not always being just like yeah. fucking Ringo. Right. <laughs> so the next story that we're doing in sports and entertainment is uh, from Newsweek. Peyton Manning and Jeff Daniels reversed a half century old football curse using a bathtub filled with whiskey. Mm. A few weeks ago, Hall of Fame quarterback Peyton Manning pointed out on social media that Detroit has gone 15 and 4 since he and actor Jeff Daniels last year reversed the curse of Bobby Lane, a jinx that had plagued the Lions since they traded Lane to the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1958, mm. just one season after the quarterback helped Detroit win its third championship of the 50s. As the legend goes, Lane, a Hall of Famer himself, was upset by the move and said that the Lions wouldn't win a championship for another 50 years and bad luck has followed the franchise ever since not only have the detroit lions won just one playoff game since trading lane in 2008 they became the first nfl franchise to have a winless season but that's where manning and daniels come in late last october the five-time nfl mvp made a trip to lions stadium with detroit sports fan daniels in an effort to alleviate the pain of lions fans on the field daniels said to manning why the fuck is there a bathtub filled with whiskey in the end zone am i on drugs manning simply said trust me jeff he then urged Daniels to recite incantations over the bathtub of whiskey, which was one of Lane's drinks of choice. And well, the results speak for themselves. Before the strange whiskey tub ceremony, Detroit had a record of one and six, but after it, they went eight and two, ending last season with a record of nine and eight. And this year, as of this recording, the Lions are in first place in the NFC North with a record of seven and two and are seeking their first division title since 1993, first playoff win since 1992, and of course, first championship since 1958. Well, the I power think, of whiskey. <laughs> I have been quietly rooting for Detroit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, um, I feel bad for it's them. It's a great story. I'm not going to feel bad when we hopefully smash them in the playoffs, but I'd love yes. them to make the playoffs. This is, sure. not, this is not their year for a championship. I hate to tell <laughs> it's them like, that. Oh, you made the playoffs. I love that for you. Yeah. Now we're going to kick your ass. I hope they win a playoff game and then we smash them. But I'm really enjoying watching their revitalization. Yeah, I am too. As we continue to play mediocre football, according to everybody else, while we're 8 1. Right. Go birds. Go birds. <laughs> All right. The last story in sports and entertainment is from criminalelement.com. Mm. Mm, this isn't true crime yet, but it kind of dovetails. A new whiskey cocktail book contains recipes based on the works of Agatha Christie. All right. A new collection of 50 charming cocktails called Agatha Whiskey. <laughs> has just been published inspired not only by the iconic mystery writer herself but also her characters and novels as well and each drink comes with a non-alcoholic mocktail version in honor of the fact mm. that the author was a well-known teetotaler mm, Colonel Mustard in the library with a dildo <laughs> <laughs> that's Clue well it, but wasn't Clue based on her stuff oh maybe I thought it was possibly like 12 Little Indians you ever read that when you I did I did 10 Little Indians well I read the abridged version <laughs> no I read the abridged version apparently you were the, oh, the extended I, version. I said, right, right i read the original old english version yes uh, part one of the book begins with a helpful section on bar basics describing glassware techniques and common bartending terms along with recipes for making the various syrups used to build the book's drinks everything from a common simple to a festive winter spice part two lists cocktail recipes themselves grouped loosely by their particular inspirations with names like c is for caipirinhas bloody mary in the library there we go ed yep. sparkling cyanide hercules hurricane and the mirror cracked from side to sidecar. 
<laughs> the tome does a wonderful job of merging classic mysteries with classy libations and includes several drinking games and a trivia section to round out the experience of drinking to Agatha Christie. It's the perfect book for enhancing your next murder mystery party and a beautiful homage to one of the most best-selling novelists of all time. It sounds fun. Yeah, I, doesn't I, it? I'm all about fun. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Maybe we'll do uh, an episode of just her cocktails. That'd be fun. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. And uh, we'll have uh, Sue, who joined us. She's in the background today. Uh, read excerpts. Sexy excerpts from Agatha Christie Mysteries. Right. Sex and murder. Mm. <laughs> one of the nine people in the room was the murderer, but which one? <laughs> was it the guy with the bulging muscles? Or was it the girl with the giant tatas? <laughs> Speaking of ta-ta, get back to reading. Okay. <laughs> the last category that we have in the stories, and then we'll get to all the whiskeys you can buy this month, true crime. Yeah. Love it. My favorite. Though sometimes it's sad. Yeah, it is. And the first one is kind of sad. It's like, oh my God, I'm so happy. Oh, a baby fell in a vat of whiskey. Like, oh. <laughs> a shit. baby fell in a vat of whiskey. <laughs> so, and then I'm like, I'm all happy about it. It's like, oh, now you look like a dickhead. <laughs> All right, so this is from lawandcrime.com. Killer husband caught hiding with whiskey bottle. Oh. Two years ago, Iowa resident Gregory Allen Showalter Sr., 63, lured his wife Helen, 60, to a secluded site in the midst of their divorce proceeding. The entire state of Iowa is a secluded site, but go on. (laughs) He killed her. Funny now? He killed her. Funny now, right? and dumped her body in the Des Moines River. Unfortunately for Showalter, someone walking in the area found her body the next day in the river near a boat ramp. Unfortunately for him. Yes. At, How about unfortunately for her, Well, most yeah. of all? Yes. At trial last month, he was found guilty of first-degree murder, abuse of a corpse, willfully causing serious injury and domestic abuse assault by strangulation or impeding blood circulation. But the case captured worldwide media attention when the defendant, out on bond, failed to appear for the verdict reading, having cut off his ankle monitor. Authorities found Showalter the next day at his home when law enforcement found the defendant hiding behind a chair, dressed in camouflage and holding a bottle of whiskey. But of course, no amount of drowning your sorrows in whiskey can fend off the long arm of the law. And once back in court, Showalter learned that he had been sentenced to life in prison. Okay, a couple questions here. Yeah. Who gave this guy bond, first of all? Yes. Second of exactly. all, why would you cut off your ankle bracelet and then still be in your house where you're supposed to be? Completely. Second one. Exactly then, why I included this. Like, there's, there's so many questions. The third one, and probably the most important one. Yes. What whiskey did he have? That, no, they didn't say. They never say. Oh, my God. I bet it's Michter's, <laughs> the most popular whiskey brand in the world. In the world. <laughs> I know. And that's how you tie your episode together, yeah, kids. Call back. If you're learning at home. Uh, okay. And the uh, last story in true crime that we have this month South Africa's TheWitness.com. Thieves steal rugby jerseys, laptops, and whiskey from the South African rugby offices. Police in Cape Town, South Africa, have initiated a search for criminals believed to be responsible for a break-in at the South African Rugby Union's head offices. According to surveillance footage, two well-dressed males wearing gloves entered the business park in a white Toyota Corolla, pulled up to the rugby group's offices, broke in, and stole five autographed jerseys, 68 computer laptops, and an unknown quantity of whiskey. They then left the building and drove away. However, in a silver lining for the organization, despite one of the culprits picking up the team's recent World Cup trophy, he apparently decided against taking it as a spokesperson for SA Rugby said that all the trophies stored in the offices had been 
accounted for. Mm. So two things yeah. I thought were interesting about this. The first one is it, very smart, not taking the trophy because you're not going to be able to sell that anywhere. Right. You can sell the other stuff, but the trophy is going to be like, oh, this is the fucking trophy. Why did you take this? The second one was, what were they doing with all that whiskey in their corporate offices? Right. It's like, I want to work for them. Well, it's a rugby team and it's in South <laughs> Africa. Yeah, right? Absolutely. How much whiskey was it again? Unknown quantity. Whatever they had, bro. Mm. <laughs> it could have been a bottle in each player's locker. Yes, and we've had South African whiskey. It's very good. Yeah, we did a whole episode on the British Empire. Yep. I forget the number of that, but uh, it was uh, last, I'm going to say season seven with Brian. Right. Hello, Brian. Hello, Brian. Hello, Brian. Okay, so the next thing we do is the all the new whiskeys you can buy this month. The first one we have is Booker's 2023-03, the Mighty Fine Batch. Yeah, I saw this one. The last batch is 104, and now this is about 109. Oh, price-wise. So what do you say it is? <laughs> well, the MSRP is 90, but that's but, not and, the you know, secondary. It's, and it's not just being jacked up. It's Sometimes it's different taxes per state. Sure. So Booker's comes out in Kentucky at 90. New Jersey probably slaps 10 bucks on it just to get it in the order. So you got to distribute so it. So it's not just we're getting hosed. Right. You know. So, oh, man, I don't nearly get enough hose as I used to. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> this is their third release of 2023 and its name yeah. refers to the phrase Booker No would use to yep. signal his approval. Everyone knew that he was pleased with a whiskey when he would sip one, declare it mighty fine and conclude that's a damn good batch. 126.6 proof, seven years aged, 75% corn, 13% rye, 12% malted barley, cinnamon, nutmeg, oak, creme brulee, caramel, dark chocolate, brown sugar, black pepper, clove, and old leather. MSRP, as I said, 90. I will say this. I've never in my life sipped a Booker's that didn't leave me happier than before I sipped it. It's one of the most consistent whiskeys I've had in my life. And I just hope it doesn't get up to 125 or 150 where I have to make these tough decisions. Because even at 109, I know I'm not going to be disappointed. And I feel like they were so affordable for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is Broken Barrel. They have something called Black Hirte. This is a blend of rye and light whiskey, both from Kentucky, finished using Black Hirte. Coffee liqueur staves and blood orange coffee liqueur staves sourced from the Laurel Canyon spirits in a 66 to 33 ratio. California? California, yeah. It's 107 proof. There's no age statement. It's 51% corn, 48% rye, 1% malted barley, roasted coffee, vanilla, buttercream, charred oak, caramelized sugar, orange zest, and finishing with a velvety, enduring, and warming citrus sweetness. The MSRP is 99. One of the most fun documentaries I've ever seen was on Laurel Canyon. Oh, really? Yeah, Laurel Canyon is right up in the Hollywood Hills, mm -hmm. 10, 15 minutes from Main Street Hollywood or whatever, mm. near the Whiskey A Go-Go and all that. Yeah. And it was just all the cool bands before they made it were living up there because the houses were cheap. So like they would walk in and out of each other's houses and share food like Crosby, Stills and Nash and Joni Mitchell and Frank Zappa and Alice Cooper oh, cool. and the Monkees. Cool, cool. And somebody would make it and then they would like book their buddies to open up and stuff. And it's an amazing documentary of how many bands were in the same freaking neighborhood. Yeah. Like unbelievable stories. Kind of forget that like all these people really knew and loved and respected each other. Yeah. And uh, that was a really cool community to have there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one we have is Dingle. Oh. Samhain. Uh, now available in the U.S. This is the first of eight Irish single malt expressions in Dingle's new Wheel of the Year series and was finished for two years in first fill Muscatel casks following an initial maturation in first fill bourbon casks. The name refers to the ancient Irish festival that marked the end of summer and is believed to be the pagan origins mm. of Halloween. I'm single. How's your Dingle? <laughs> My hang's like a can of Pringle. 
<laughs> it's 101 proof, at least five years aged. Total. Proof, I got your proof right here. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. No, uh, no, you don't. Oh, my God. It's like a mini can of Pringles, like the <laughs> like lunchbox. Yeah, size, like, the, like a the, little tiny can. Like the little like three-inch can. It's wide. <laughs> girthy. Yeah, it's girthy. Uh, 100% malted barley of vanilla, oatmeal, cookies, apple juice, orange, raspberry, cherry, lime, cinnamon, and cappuccino. MSRP is 150 which is kind of... Oh, oh, Marty and Rachel here. 150 for a Irish whiskey that's 101 proof. No, it's a no for me. No? I think it's a no. 150 is too much. You know, the, the best Irish whiskey I ever had was the Middleton Rare. It's about 240 bottle. Mm-hmm. I, I don't buy it. If I can't fall into it by accident, I won't drink it. It's just too much. Yeah. I mean, look how much fun we have with the Teelings for $45. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like $50. So I don't know. I mean, I know you're intrigued to, t- to try intrigued it because it's 101. It. Yeah. I, I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I think. All right, we'll buy it. Fine. I think Christmas is coming up. So <laughs> I do want to say that Samhain. The name of the festival, the ancient festival, it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. So if you're looking for this on the shelf, uh, know that it looks like Samhain, but it's actually Samhain. Anyway. And who makes it? Dingle. Oh, that's where the dingle. I got distracted with my little stupid song that I thought that <laughs> I forgot what the hell brand we were talking about because I'm just being an asshole. All right. The next whiskey is Heaven's Door Bootleg Series Volume 5. Oh, the bootleg. Yeah. This is an 18-year-old straight bourbon finished in sweet vermouth cast from Spain. It's 114 proof. The mash is not disclosed. Baking spices, red fruit, vanilla, dark chocolate, plums, dark brown sugar, caramel, brewed tea, walnut oil, and tobacco. The MSRP is 600 Oh my God! Yes, one of the best whiskeys I had was one of the one of those. Yeah, that was a couple expressions ago. I mean, no, for six hundred, but I'm sure it's extraordinary. Speaking of High West, which we had in one of our stories, the High West Prisoners Share. This is a 2023 release. Uh, this whiskey is a blend of High West bourbons and ryes, which have been finished in wine barrels from the Prisoner Wine Company in California. It's 102 proof, aged four to 15 years, plus another additional 11 months in the wine. The mash is not disclosed. Ripe cherries, dark shortbread, strawberry jam, chocolate brownie crust, allspice, cinnamon, juniper, mahogany, gingerbread, and orange spice tea. MSRP is 150. I mean. I've heard about it. I'd like to try it. We're kind of mad about the whole Midwinters thing right now. Yeah. So I don't know if I want to spend another 150 on another one of the versions. No. How many bottles of this is the question? Yeah, I know. I don't know. This is probably much more allocated than even the High West right. is. I would like to buy a dram of that for like 20 or something. Sure. And maybe tw- even 25 just to try it instead yeah. of buying 150 for a whole bottle. That's what I would do as well. Yeah. Okay. So the next we have is Kavalin. This is the Taiwan-based distiller. Uh, they have four cast strength single malts that they're putting out. Taiwan-based distiller Kavalon has announced the return of its cast-strength single cask releases for the first time since 2018, with four different expressions matured in bourbon, Oloroso Sherry, Port, and American wine cask. The bourbon cask is 108 proof. The MSRP is 200. The Oloroso Sherry cask is 117.2 proof. The MSRP is 250. The Port cask is 112.6 proof, that also 250. And they have something called Vino Barique, which is matured in American oak wine barrels that have been used to mature both red and white wine and then retoasted. That's 123.6 proof, also 250. When you're saying 250, that Taiwanese money or American money? <laughs> 250 Taiwanese money, I might be in that, but uh, yeah. I'm not spending American dollars on no. it. No. So the reason why I mentioned these is because I never had any Kavalin expressions and I want yeah. to. I hear everything that they do is sure. awesome. Yeah. And Christmas is coming up. So do with that. that what you will. <laughs> you keep saying that. Well, I'll tell you what, when I'm in Taiwan, I'll drink it. It'll be cheaper then. <laughs> Sue? Sue? Present? Marty and Rachel also here. Marty, Rachel? Christmas presents? <laughs> oh, I would accept that. 
Okay. She would accept. No, no. no. You're by, by me one. <laughs> okay. The next one we have is New Riff. They they have a $50 for the greatest whiskey you ever taste probably. Go ahead. <laughs> a New Riff high note collection. They have two whiskeys that they have released. A Bohemian Wheat which is 117.9 proof, eight years age, 65% corn, 18% bohemian wheat, 10% wheat, and 7% malted wheat, honeyed dark fruits with peppered, toasty, bready finish, that's $70, and then a malted rye, 118.2 proof, also eight years aged, 100% malted rye, dark fruits, baking spices, rye spice, pepper, citrus, and anise, also $70. Exactly. The way he's talking about that, you think it's going to be another 150 or 250 Thank you, New Riff, yes. for always bringing the sanity to whiskey. Yeah, we did a New Riff episode uh, this summer. I mean, we liked that, everything that they did. I will buy both of them for 140 because it's not one bottle for 150 You see what I'm saying? How yes. that works out? I get two bottles for 140 <laughs> Scott can drink one, and I can drink one. We can literally just sit on the couch watching, like, <laughs> just watching the ball drop. and just like, yay, New Riff. Watching Japanese lady metal bands. Yes. And just yes. sucking down cheap whiskey. Yeah, suck it down a whiskey now. Outside the taste of freeze. Uh, so Penelope has released three more whiskeys at once. New versions of old expressions. The rosé cask finish batch number seven. This is bourbon finished in rosé wine cask from the southern Rhone region of France. It's 94 proof, four to five years age, 76% corn, 14% wheat, 7% rye, and 3% malted barley. So it's a four grain, floral and herbal notes with candied fruit, cream, vanilla, and strawberry, 50 bucks. Mm. The second one is toasted straight bourbon batch 23305, the latest in their toasted series. We just saw this the other day, didn't we? We did. It's 100 proof. Uh, There's no age statement, 74. $8. (laughs) 74% corn, 21% wheat, 5% malted barley, seasoned oak, rye spice, toasted marshmallow, caramel, tobacco, spearmint, and dill. $59? $70. No, we, we saw it for, dude, we saw it for $60. I know that because that was banache. Yeah, holy yeah. crap. And they're the best, as we know. And the last one is they- In fact, it. I'm going to drive to banache right now and buy it. <laughs> Uh, American Light Whiskey. So this is a re-release of their light whiskey not seen since 2021. 128.4 proof, 15 years aged. It's 99% corn, 1% malted barley. Don't tell me the price. Creamsicle. Okay. Creamsicle custard sherbet, green apple, sugar, vanilla, corn syrup, berries, oak, mint, and freshly cracked black pepper. MSRP, Ed? It should be 150. I'm going to say with them, it's something like 121. 90. Oh my God. We're buying that twice. <laughs> We're going to have four bottles on the couch. Ed already left. Now I'm going. 15 year whiskey, light whiskey for $90. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what the Obtanium costs us too. So right. that must be what it goes for. All right, so the last whiskey that you can buy this month that we are doing, because there's hundreds of well, others. Right, so they're can't. not the last yeah. whiskey. It's the no. last one we feel like telling you about. <laughs> exactly. It, Woodford Reserves. We have other stuff to do tonight. We can't spend all night. Damn. <laughs> Woodford Reserves Master Collection Sonoma Triple Finish. Master. This Master's Collection release pulls from earlier Master's Collection whiskeys finished in three unique barrel types, Sonoma County Pinot Noir casks, American Brandy casks, and bourbon barrels that previously aged red wine. It's their classic 90.4 proof, no age statement, 72% corn, 18% rye, 10% malted barley, vanilla, cinnamon, grilled pineapple, plum, vanilla bean, oak, and red grape tannins. The MSRP is 150, but I've already seen it for 300 on the second day. Yeah, I had a dram of one of them. 
I mean, they have quite a few. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I honestly don't remember which one I had. It was the one my hotel bar had. My <laughs> hotel bar, I've mentioned before, in Portland, the Hyatt, had more whiskey. The entire Weller collection was there. Yamazaki 18 was there. It was ridiculous. Two of the um, Boss Hogs were there. This is just a hotel bar. Yeah, they had a great collection there. They did. I like anything Woodford does. Well, they've never let me down except, well, that's a lie. They've let me down a few times. <laughs> with their, with their, their wheat. Their wheat, yeah. their wheat wasn't that good. The, the wheat's not that good. Yeah. Don't buy the wheat. So the last thing we do, what's coming up in December. Right. There are five Fridays in December. Oh, uh, yeah. On the 1st of December, episode 70. Oh, yeah. Cocktail Deconstructing 2 with Marty and Rachel. They are here. Give a shout out. Right. They're pre-gaming. They're with our interns going over the storyboards and planning the episode out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the next week on the 8th, we're doing a quick taste of a recent release of Old Carter Rye, also with Marty and Rachel. Um, the most expensive bottle I've ever personally bought. Yeah, tune in for that story. Listen to how I was peer pressured, like yeah. I was 12. Yeah. On the 15th, there will be no podcast. We're taking a break. On the 22nd, we're going to do our annual Christmas bonus. Sue and Siobhan will be on that. And on the 29th, we'll be right back here doing the December news and that's all I got. Sounds great. I mean, it's an exciting time. We tell you what's out. And once again, there's a lot of $150 bottles out there that if you want to try, I can't defend it because I bought a $204 bottle this month. So um, <laughs> I'm just saying, look at the new Riff, look at the Penelope and see what they're doing. Right. That's why I like to put a mix of different prices. Yeah. And, yeah. But if you, you know. I don't know what you guys do for a living. Yeah. You might be billionaires. I don't right. know. If you know, <laughs> We might have dozens and dozens of billionaires as fans. <laughs> One way might be the all billionaire podcast. And if so, we really got to start a Patreon yeah, then. Yeah. Just wire your money to whiskeytangent at gmail.com. <laughs> wire it. And uh, I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving yesterday. Good family time. And, you know, the day after Thanksgiving was a great time to drink whiskey. Black Friday. Yeah, Black Friday, Drunk Friday, because I don't go out the house. Woo! Right? Me neither. All right. So uh, go get what you want. Check out the podcast in December. Cheers, everybody. Later. Later.